0: Your violet sky at the break of dawn, your bird in flight high above
1: the sun.
2: Welcome to the April 23rd, 2021 edition of the Iridescent Robot Storytelling Club. As per usual, the show is yet to start. I have yet to talk to the participants. The theme this month is flower, F L O W E R. And that might let you know that I'm not great at themes. Uh, This show is really mostly about stories of hope, resilience and or hilarity. And tonight it's a very special show and I'm really looking forward to it and I'm not gonna talk a lot about it before we start. So um, I just really wanna say that you listening to this means a lot. Um, The stories that the people come and tell, especially a year into a pandemic, sometimes this is the time that we get to spend together and you being there on the other side of this audio wall, uh, it's important. And if you ever feel like you have a story that you would like to tell, who cares about the theme? Just let me know. Uh, you can email curiousandkindalmont@gmail.com of at gmail.com and just say, hey, I have a story for the robot and here's what it is and we'll, Be friends. So it all begins in a few minutes, probably immediately for you. But for me, it starts at about half an hour. And uh, yeah, this is um, the day of the month that makes me feel really connected. So I hope it makes you feel that way too. Hello welcome to the Iridescent Robot Storytelling Club. It's April, it's 2021 as far as I know, and we have seven wonderful storytellers, poets, and musicians for you this evening, and I am so excited that the audience is here on a Friday night, especially when I know some of y'all are on the West Coast, and you are probably already vaccinated and allowed to hug people again. And In Ontario, this is just so that this podcast can find its place in time. We are currently in a lockdown, our third one. I'm getting really good at it now. I have painted so many things. (laughs) I have a suitcase that's like stacked this high and now I've started painting things on cards so I can get rid of the art that I'm making. So if I ask you for your address, just say sure and you'll get like a rabbit today the theme of the day is rabbits i'm going to paint a rabbit tonight and kimberly sunstrom probably going to get a rabbit in the mail (laughs) we have i just want to let you know the wonderful people that we have on the show tonight we have Ida ajayi from texas we have nadine adams who is back from the uk and i'm so happy because it means you can be on the show now in ottawa we have b wilder from lanark county we have libby who I just met on Tuesday, and she is wonderful and a poet and from Ottawa, and we have Michael Lockhart all the way out in Seattle, and we have Ken Parsons in Newfoundland, and then we have Kimberly Sundstrom right from Ottawa, and I am sitting on unseated Algonquin Anishinaabe territory, which is also known as Almont. Some people, my phone Siri, she calls it Almonte, which is actually the name because it was na- we were named after a Mexican general who came here and people were like enamored of him. And then they changed the name from some sort of thing. I think it was like Milltown or something, something very generic. <laughs> I'm sure Bob knows. You can put it in the chat, Bob, with the history of Almonte. Um, yeah. So here we are. I am sitting in my bed for the podcast listeners who cannot see me with a beautiful furry eye made in Seattle. Uh, by a monster company, and it watches me and makes sure that I tell things on time. And right now, I'm going to tell a story about flowers, kind of, sort of. So May is coming up, and my mother is a trained biologist. She took biology. Her mother and her went to school together. Her mother was 40, and she was 20. They went to university together. Their last names started with Zed. Uh, or z depending on where you're from and they are obsessed with flowers my grandmother and my mom know all the flowers if I see a flower on the side of the road I take a picture of it and my mom is always like are you going to pay me <laughs> for my knowledge of flowers <laughs> like no <laughs> I am just going to ask you and she's like you should get your own book you should find out like with the leaves on either side. Like I do know flowers. I don't know them as well as my mom. My mom is the kind of person who on Mother's Day said, no, Mother's Day is about me. So I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm leaving the house. Your dad's going to take care of you. And I'm going to go take pictures with a bunch of other mothers, a bunch of ladies. And they would go into the forest and my mom would come back like just covered in mud because she'd be lying on the ground in the bogs taking pictures of pitcher plants, which I found out today is the national flower of Newfoundland. And I didn't know that that it is true. It's the only carnivorous plant that, <laughs> that represents a province in Canada, strange. Um, and my mother, she really like gave me this deep love of flowers. So I think it hurt my heart on my 12th birthday when my dad just brought me a dozen roses. For my 12th birthday, I was like, roses, those are so pedestrian. <laughs> I was a pain in the butt 12 year old. And I said, roses also, they mean like romantic love. Dad, like, don't you know any better? And he was like, well, what's your favorite flower? And in that moment, I just made it up on the spot. I was like, orchids. I didn't know that orchids cost $50. <laughs> per plants I didn't know that they were expensive my mom on the other hand her favorite flower is like a buck of flowers like carnations my dad gets her, her carnations every mother's day every anniversary her birthday she loves carnations but the next big sort of thing was I think I was graduating from grade six my dad had just told me that we were moving from the tiny town where I'd finally got people to like me <laughs> to a new town called the PA Manitoba uh, I don't recommend moving anyone at 13 years old I don't I really don't don't do that to your children but especially not to a small northern community um, yeah but anyway so he kind of like told me that he told me that was happening and he brought with him this beautiful orchid in like a glass ball that softened it he also promised me a horse and I stopped crying uh, but yes, that beautiful like orchid ball, I kept it for a really long time, I think, until my dog knocked it over and ate it. Um, and orchids have continued to oddly be my favorite flower, even though I didn't think about it at the time, because they, first of all, they are, if you can keep them, immortal. <laughs> Did you know that about orchids? That they last forever, some of them. They're like an epiphyte. Um, so they can continue to bloom until you kill them. (laughs) If you take care of an orchid, it can last forever. You can hand it down generation to generation. Um, I've never made an orchid survive, so I have to admit that, but I believe that someday I will get an immortal orchid, and then I'll be able to give it to one of my children, they'll give it to their children, and they'll be like, my granny (laughs) got this orchid. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to have to find a, a A good story around that orchid um yeah so flowers really important to me um but I don't tend to enjoy getting them when they're dead so if 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 you ever are sending me flowers send me a potted plant send me an orchid um or like your friends send your friends some flowers if they like them that's all that's all it's not even a story as much as like waiting for people to get into this room I think we're good. I think we have all of the people who might arrive tonight. So flowers. Woo. Just in case anyone was like, this wasn't flower themed. I've done it. (laughs) Our first storyteller of the evening is our resident storyteller. If you've been listening to the podcast uh, or you are at the show, you know that her stories are wonderful things. They're gonna take you on an adventure you didn't know you were you were ready for, um, and you're gonna come out on the other side feeling like, yeah, I'm so glad I came to this show, which is why I put her up first <laughs> because then you can race that weird flower story I just told you and start afresh like a flower if you could <laughs> welcome from Texas the wonderful resident storyteller for the Iridescent Robot Storytelling Club, I-Day. I love that you whispered flower.
3: Like it just freaked me out. Um, oh, <laughs> no, um, I couldn't think of a good story about flowers except that I love to get them on my birthday because I love getting everything on my birthday. Like a happy birthday, anything. Like birthdays are really like my day. Um, when i grew up my mom always made sure that like your birthday was special like there was always a cake there was always like this huge party all of these things and i remember when i was in elementary school i don't even remember what kid it was but i remember one kid was just like you know we're almost teenagers now who cares about birthdays and i i think i was 10 or 11 and i was like yeah i'm too cool for that so my parents were like do you want to do anything and i said no <laughs> i don't want to do anything and so then i went to um Uh, they were like, do you want to go eat? And I said, no, I don't want to do anything. And I remember I was sitting in my pajamas and I was so upset. I was like, I am not a cool person, nor will I ever be a cool person. This is the most horrible birthday ever. (laughs) There's like only a cake. There's no restaurant, but I did it to myself. I still don't remember who that kid is, but whoever it is, I'm sure they're somewhere not enjoying birthdays at all. Whereas me, I was like, that's not my lifestyle. I'm a birthday person and I will be until the day that I die. (laughs) So as I got older, every birthday, I would go to the Olive Garden. I thought it was amazing. When I came 18, the Olive Garden's quality really went down. I was like, I got to up my game. <laughs> so, you know, the other birthdays started to like kind of fall together. And I remember on my 21st birthday, I was like working on the road with like this group. And um, I, um, I, I like went to dinner with them. And I was like, huh, i was like, you know, this birthday doesn't really feel special. And I worked with this lady named Margaret. And she said, well, how old are you? And I said, I'm 24. And she goes, oh, well, if you're 24, it just all goes downhill from here. Like why, what, she goes, the next big birthday is 30 and then 40. You just celebrate decades after this. And I was like, well, that's trash. (laughs) Like I cannot do that. (laughs) That just seems very depressing to like wait for a whole nine years to get excited about a birthday. And I was just so, it like really like hit me. I was like, I, I don't want that life. Like I remembered back to elementary school when the guy told me, you know, when you're teenagers, you don't celebrate birthdays. So what I did instead was I decided every birthday for the rest of my life, I would try something I had never done before. So I, and I would tell people, I would be like, my birthday's coming up. I'm gonna try something I've never tried before. And so I've been to Vegas. I've done mechanical bull riding. I've done surfing for my 30th birthday, just everything. And it's like such a big thing for me that like other people, like 32, 33, I just was like, like they were fine years, but I was really tired and people were like, what are you going to do? What's this new adventure? And I was like, back off people. I'm tired. (laughs) I don't know what I want to do. I want to just live my life. And they're like, no girl, you can't stop it. You got to do something. So I ended up like getting like box seats at like a baseball game. And it was so amazing. Do you know if you have box seats, they will bring food to you? Like, they, like the food is catered in the box seat and you like look at the field. I did it at Safeco Field in Seattle. It was amazing. Um, the hot dogs were catered and also it was paid for by my company. I don't want you to think that I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on my 33rd birthday because I didn't, but it still counts because I still did it. <laughs> um, and then I've done simple things. I think last year was probably one of the most special birthdays for two reasons one i was just you know corona was happening and i was just kind of tired so i decided you know i don't really want to do anything and i'm fine with that and then i went and i bought i wasn't even looking for it i went to go find some pajamas but i found this amazing orange jumpsuit like amazing like something that you would like in your dreams be like this color this fit this is perfect The moment I went home and tried on that jumpsuit, I told my friend, this jumpsuit needs to have a birthday brunch. Like, I don't care who's there. (laughs) I don't care where it's at. It just needs to be outside and I need to get it done. So I got the jumpsuit. My friend was like, I can do your hair. And I had like this huge, curly, beautiful hair, this jumpsuit. I literally came into the the outside courtyard. People I don't even know. I was like, it's my birthday. (laughs) People were clapping these are strangers that were clapping for me because I was that excited. <laughs> um, and then um, I like told my sister, Georgia, I was like, you know, for my actual birthday, cause this was the day for my birthday. I was like, I just want to have pajamas that I feel very in and like breakfast. And my family cooked me the most elaborate <laughs> breakfast. My mom still talks about the souffle that she made that she learned off of Dr. Oz. She was like, I got this recipe from Dr. Oz and it's flawless my sister made personalized drinks. My nephews were all super excited. We watched together. And so sometimes people can tell you something negative and try to bring it into your life and it can change into something amazing. And so that is what happened with my birthday. So every year doing something different, trying new things. And if you want to, you're more than happy to take that with you.
2: Ah, I love that birthday story. And- Iday and Casey and I, my friend, we have this incredible like coffee clash that we have twice and we had one after that birthday and I saw that picture of Iday looking like just perfect. <laughs> Georgia, that's amazing also that you like arranged that. And Pam, a souffle, come on. I've never even had a souffle. <laughs> But when I come to Texas, I would love to see what a souffle is. I know it's like poofy and it takes a long time. And if you don't do it right, it falls. But yeah, I I, I like that birthday celebration is the kind of birthday celebration that I think everyone should have because you only get one day one day a year where you get to be the like center of attention. I don't like it, but I did for my 40th birthday, open a new venue and do 12 hours of shows where people just came through for 12 hours. <laughs> and it was amazing. And there were so many flowers there because it was my birthday and it was a, a grand opening and like the whole room filled with flowers and I'm terrible and I don't throw things away. So those flowers, some of them I was still getting rid of <laughs> when I closed my venue last year. I was like, how is this flower still here? <laughs> It's. Oh, thank you, Eddie, for that story. That beautiful. Uh, I'm going to try to let in our friend Claudia. Let's see if it works. There we go. Claudia, you've joined the show just after our resident storyteller, and you're welcome here. And if you want to turn off your microphone, we can do that easily. Uh, and we're going to go straight into our next storyteller. Can I just say Georgia and Pam, though? How glad I'm you're here (laughs) and that you're supporting. It's so nice to have you here. Um, Our next storyteller, uh, she used to come to the show. We did the show last year, 18 weeks in a row. And my friend Nadine came to almost all of them. If not all of them. And her stories are incredible. I still have nightmares about the thing in the pot (laughs) that looked at you (laughs) and you had to eat it. (laughs) But it was such a good story and so worth it. All those nightmares, so worth it. So um, when you said that you could do a story today, it just made my heart sing. So if we could welcome to the Iridescent Robot Storytelling Club, my friend, Comedian, storyteller, and wondrous person, Nadine.
4: (laughs) I'm just going to end up laughing through the story now. That story is not meant to give you nightmares. I'm so sorry. (laughs) But I guess I'll I'll do a heads up. In this story, there is a a mention of a a famous murderer, and that's about it. Let's see how I tie this woman with flowers. Okay, so picture this. You have a brother who is 15 years younger than you, and you wanna be the coolest sister in the block, even if you are his only sister. So what do you do? Well, you go to the Royal Kew Gardens. It's an official UNESCO heritage site. It's in the posh part of town. It's got Royal in its title and it beats the only other trick that I had in my pocket, which was to go to a Marvel film at the cinema. And i had done that quite a few times. So we went to the Kew Gardens. And as you may have guessed, Kew Gardens has a lot of flowers and there is my only link in this story to the theme of flowers. Moving on. (laughs) Because While we were going to Kew Gardens to see the flowers, that isn't what stayed with us. As soon as we stepped out of Kew Gardens underground station, an hour east, sorry, an hour um, away from our, our place in East London, I should say, we realized that we lived in a completely different world, even though it's in the same capital. See, first off, we step outside and the first thing I see is a whole food store. If you know my stories, you know I talk about food a lot. So I noticed the organic food store first. Organic foods, groceries, meats and cheeses. And I'm like, okay, we're in a different world now and let's keep our heads up and keep walking. So we did. We walked down Litchfield Road and the next thing we noticed is that the houses are so big, and so big, that somehow unconsciously we decided to speed up. Me, I have this kind of polite expression on my face while I'm calculating in my head, like how many additional jobs do I need to take just to be able to afford the front yard on one of these properties? Meanwhile, my brother's just laughing because he's like, look at the trees. So we look up and we realize that the roads are so wide that the trees don't need trimming. Unlike in our part of London where uh, trees get trimmed quite a lot because the pavements are kind of narrow. So now we're speeding along, we get to the end of the road and uh, the gate's open, we're in Key Gardens. And I would love to tell you that I could uh, remember the flowers, the water lilies, the titan arum, the bird of paradise plants, the greenhouse that has a whole load of trees and all those other things because it is a really amazing place but really we don't actually remember any of that and I spoke to him earlier today to double check and he doesn't remember anything apart from what what is next because what we remember is the shiny Glossy pigeon that ruled the gardens. See, we were sitting on this bench, minding our own business, and the fattest, the most lustrous, glossiest, well fed pigeon we had ever seen, ever, ever, ever seen, just strutted in front of us, pecks at this grass and just picks up a worm and just starts eating. And we're like, we're just transfixed just looking at this bird. See, this bird has the kind of iridescent bottle green-like colour that usually is at just the back of the neck of the bird. No, 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 no. It was so glossy, it was on its wings. Like we'd never seen, like we'd just never seen it before. We're like, this isn't, this isn't normal. And then the rest of it had this kind of, I wanna say blue-gray, but it wasn't. It was royal blue-gray just plumage it. and it was just it looks so good like we've been vegetarian for absolutely years but we were like just for a moment you know if we put some tomato ketchup on that like that that could taste that could that could be worth it that that could be really worth it. And of course the only thing that stopped us apart from like you know everything <laughs> is that it was a pigeon <laughs> And we were so supremely uncomfortable because the more we saw this pigeon being at peace, just eating this like deluxe worm. (laughs) And we're like, oh, okay. Um, Combine that with this, I don't know, first thing that we seen as we came out of the station and the mansion size is like, this is so different because an hour East, Our pigeons are scrawny. Our pigeons, their feathers are like dark gray with dirt. Like there's no other color. It's just gray, maybe a bit of black and more dirt. And when you try to do this thing where you're like, oh, I'm going to like fake a little kick at you to get you to get out my way. They laugh at you. And they're known to travel on the tube. Like they will literally sometimes just take a ride with you on the tube because they're just really urban. My description of these pigeons, these East End pigeons from the homeland of Jack the Ripper, is that they are streetwise cannibals who will eat discarded chicken wings from Kentucky Fried Chicken because they are East London pigeons. And they are most certainly not edible. So uh, this pigeon was enough to make us. Leave pretty soon afterwards we're like we're done here I think the pigeon rules this place and we don't so hey let's let's go back east and so we did and uh when we first first came off the platform east London and we saw our first scrawny pigeon on this narrow pavement compare and contrast we just started laughing We're like, we're just on the street just just laughing our right heads off So fast forward X number of years, Um, I've been away from East London for a a little while, on and off, but every so often, I'll speak to my brother and one of us will ask, do you remember that pigeon? And I know in that moment when I'm howling with laughter and he's doing this cool smirk thing that he does, which is kind of like that actually the royal pigeon worked. And I am indeed his coolest only sister.
2: Thank you. That is so wonderful. Um, Yes, pigeons everywhere are different, for sure. Oh, is that the kind of pigeon? Bob is showing us the kind of pigeon that it is, a special pigeon. Um, Where we're from, our pigeons are barn pigeons, and they are pretty tough.
5: Those (laughs) those were actually eyes.
2: Are they? Oh, those you were showing me? Conch eyes? I was like, "What kind of pigeon is that?" That's that not my like best like story. No, that is the story of the pot of the. That's not fear. Don't show me the conch eyes. <laughs> now I'm gonna have nightmares for sure. I do love conches. I just like them not in my pot, maybe <laughs> looking at me maybe after I will eat them. But I, there's that in-between space. Thank you so much, Nadine, for, for like weaving flowers somehow into your beautiful brother's story.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, I have eaten pigeon. We, um, we have eaten pigeon and it's it's delicious. We eat, uh, where I'm from, lots of different kinds of birds. Uh, my dad's Métis. And so anything that we shoot, we have to eat. Um, my brother has shot things that should absolutely not be eaten like birds that eat garbage and he's just like but I'm practicing and you're like stop it 15 year old we're not going to give you a gun back until you shoot things that are edible <laughs> and that should not should not be eaten so um, I've eaten a lot of things for sure and pigeons are one of them but they are they're plump and delicious birds if they eat the right things <laughs> we're going to learn a lot about us tonight I think uh- <laughs> So give it up with your hearts and your hands for the wonderful Nadine. Thank you so much for coming back. I'm so excited. I hope you'll come tell more stories. I miss you. Um, Our next storyteller for the evening is a poet, comedian, clown, storyteller from Lanark County. And we're going on like 14 years of knowing each other. And I'm so grateful that tonight um, she chose to be here and to tell a story story that she's going to tell tonight. Um, The pandemic has been really hard on a lot of people. um, And especially for those of us who have lost people. um, And if we haven't been able to go places to to say goodbye. So I'm hoping that tonight this will give you an opportunity to share the stories that you might have shared had you been able to go visit your mother. Um, Yes. If you would like to come on, if we could give our just open hearts to my good friend, B. Wilder.
5: Sorry, I was not realizing I was still muted.
2: <laughs> I love you.
5: I came on camera, but not on mic. Uh, yeah, so this is a story about my mom in honor of my mom. So she was quite a character, uh, especially for someone born in the 50s, uh, who lived her whole life with kind of a 50s sensibility, She was never really a feminist or a hippie or particularly progressive, though she did become more progressive with age, uh, asshat commanders and thief and my radical proddings over time. But she always had a zest for life and uh, a dry witty sense of humor uh, that would last her whole life, including passing away uh, on April Fool's Day of this year. So um, the story I have to share though is back from her college days. Um, and one that I had her tell me many times over the years, though uh, not recently enough to remember all the details. So I've taken artistic liberties and filled it in for your uh, entertainment. Uh, to clarify, this is a US story. Uh, I'm originally from the States. So when I say a college, what I mean is a four-year school where you get a bachelor's degree uh, uh, as opposed to uh, what you call that here in Canada, a university. So, Um, And she went to Hartwick College um, which to get a four year RN nursing degree. Um, She chose this partially because it was the proper kind of choice for a woman to make who wanted to get higher education. And she had been actually encouraged very strongly by her high school guidance counselor to study engineering. But she had no interest in being a woman in what she saw as a a man's world. so she took her scientific mind and put it to a long career helping people as a nurse. Um, so you may or may not know this about the women's about school for women in the 60s, but the, the dorms were locked, there were curfews, um, they had to sign in and out to protect their virtue in this bastion of male-dominated learning, um, uh, many of whom were still just becoming co-educational at that time not Hartwood College, oddly enough for a Lutheran seminary. uh, It had women uh, admitted to it very early on compared to other schools. But anyway, uh, even the sorority house that my mom lived in with her nursing sisters as they became upperclassmen, had a house mother. Uh, they were locked in um, and told when and when they couldn't go. Uh, All the girls of course were expected to take part in the chores of maintaining the house. My mom happened to work in the kitchen most of the time and developed a relationship with the house mother kind of across generations and with her dry, witty, irreverent sense of humor. Now the house mother had her office uh, in the kitchen and it was just really a desk in the middle of this giant freestanding wire cage uh, in which it could be locked up with all the freezers for the bulk purchases of meat because this was before Costco uh, you know and this was the time when the the sorority would get bulk orders from farms and they would process their stuff so they had frozen vegetables and there would be big bags of flour Uh, that (laughs) in this cage and um, you know, the special ingredients for when they had fancy dinners and that sort of thing. And yeah, only the house mother had the keys to this. So um, one night my mom and her friends decided that they wanted to have a late night card party in the attic of the sorority. Um, And so they went down to the kitchen to scam up some snacks but uh, it had been a busy day at the sorority and there was no pop in the fridge. Um so, and I say pop because I should have said soda, because it's a US story, but I've been Canadianized now. So for those of you who didn't notice, uh, there's my duality. Uh so my mom, being five foot ten and 90 pounds soaking wet, decides, well, maybe I can shimmy in that one foot space between the top of the cage and the ceiling. And grab us a flat of pop from the cage. So her friends help her out. They lift her up. They get the step stool, and she, by God, of course, she can do it. So she does it, and she hands out some stuff, and she writes an IOU to the housewoman and says, "Sorry, we we uh, took some sodas." So yeah, of course, they're caught because they lost left an IOU. Uh, the house mother was like, I don't know how you did that, but never ever do that again. That's crossing a line. I know you girls have a sense of humor. Maybe, you know, maybe I've been too liberal and lenient with you. Um, But you know, they swore up and down, they would never ever do it again. Uh, But then uh, a couple of uh, months later, Uh, The house mother comes running upstairs all agitated and upset into the dormitory wing looking for my mom and her friends uh, to go back on her word. It seems she had gone to uh, talk to the milk delivery. Uh, She needed extra cream for the weekend. Uh, One of the girls had seen the cage open and shut it because she wasn't in it and knew it was supposed to be shut, but she had left her keys on her desk. All of the meat uh, for the dinner that night was still in the freezer. So she basically came upstairs and begged my mom to come downstairs and do it again and grab the keys. And she always made sure that there was pop, the house mom always made sure that there was pop and cookies left in the fridge uh, and the cupboards for them from that day on so that they wouldn't. But yeah, so that's a story that tells you a little bit about my mom. I love that she was a rebel. <laughs> But also like a thoughtful rebel <laughs> was like
2: okay i will climb back into that that room for you <laughs> oh thank you so much for sharing a story of your mom i really appreciate it
1: I all thank right you for letting
2: me. yeah this i think it's going to be um a night of sharing um important stories to ourselves so i just i'm really glad that there's a space here for for the joy of grieving that part too it's a real thing Thank you. And
5: I'm just to explain. I have very bad rural internet. That's why I don't stay on camera. I wish yes. I could and make my Betty Davis eyes. I try to emoji you all.
2: Yes, we love you. Thank you, B. Uh, um, my new good friend. Uh, we just met on Tuesday. Uh, the last few months they've been I mean it's been winter in Ontario it's been really hard we've been in several lockdowns and I've been uh going to the show on the third Tuesday of the month called Winter Words Cafe and it's been sort of like lectures and how to be creative and the last show I've been to every single one and the people who ran it the Ottawa Arts Valley paper the hum they were like you run shows (laughs) we're why don't you facilitate and like get participants for the very last winter words cafe. And so we put it in the papers and we put it all over the place. And I had 10 people message me. And one of those people was Libby McKechnie. And she has just written this beautiful book of poetry called come away with me. And it's based on her paintings and the poetry, the poetry is just like distilled beautiful poems. And tonight I, I have to admit that I fell in love with her words <laughs> on Tuesday, and I'm looking forward to like knowing her now until the rest of our lives, <laughs> because she is just incredible. She's a teacher and a poet and a painter, and you can look her up, uh, Libby McKechnie. You can stare at the name there, and then I will also probably put it on the podcast somewhere so that you can find it, because names are interestingly spelled. But there's a lot of Lib- Libby McKechnies out there. Did you know that? it's ridiculous I looked you up on Facebook and it was like how do I know which Libby McKechnie you are when I was Facebook stalking you but I found you because we have one friend in common and it's your son (laughs) which is bizarre so I happen to know her very you know locally appreciated famous musician son Graven and you can look him up too he does wonderful music around the area just a a thoughtful dude um so that is your intro Libby I'm so sorry (laughs) But you should find her book i'm ordering five copies of it one for me and then one for my mom and then one for three moms in the area because it is the perfect mother's day gift so with a poem about actual flowers libby mckeckney i'm gonna ask you to unmute you have to unmute libby
0: <laughs> okay, can you hear me yes yes good sorry This is a poem called Transformation. It's about, you know, longing for spring. Enough of these cold snowy days of white, only white. Where are the many colors of seasonal flowers still hidden underneath? I long to see them. I hear birdsong and I look for a flash of red. I paint applying wet pure color to paper covering the white with shimmering transparent layers of yellow, orange, red, blue, green, and violet. Breathing in these colors, just like oxygen, I am revived. Every spring, I am like a diver, swimming and kicking to the surface to take fast gulping breaths of beauty. The fragrant air, warm sun, opening buds, Tender green shoots, daily miracles of creation unfolding inch by inch.
2: (laughs) Do you have your book there? Can you show us a picture? Thank you. (laughs) Her paintings are so vibrant and so beautiful. Thank you so much for that poem. Um, I'm going to pause the recording temporarily because I can hear my dog destroying my bath mat in the bathroom (coughs) one moment, and then I shall return. Please don't go anywhere. I'm so sorry. (laughs) For the podcast listeners who were wondering what happened, yes, she did destroy the bath mat. I have a 10-month-old puppy, and without my son here to entertain her, she was like, "Uh uh-huh, how do I get your attention? So moving on. Uh, to the wonderful man with a Captain Kirk plant on his balcony. He's probably got a glass of wine in his hands. Um, he recently returned to his family home um, to say goodbye to his father. And it was very interesting because B and Michael both shared shows with me before. And um, it was... When I asked if he wanted to share a story of his father, he said yes, and I'm so honored that two people would come and um, use this space to talk about the people they left and still love. So thank you, Michael, for coming, and I'm looking forward to hearing more about your dad.
6: Oh, thank you. That's really cool. Thank you. Uh, Danielle was one of the folks that I was uh, chatting with uh, live while while at hospice with my dad, but so this is a little bit... And it's a little bit odd because B and I had the same kind of story two months ago where talked about muffins and now we're talking about our parents, it's so funky. Anyway, so, uh, so anyway, I wanna start off with, uh, uh, everybody think of that place, that place maybe when you were a kid or as a spouse, what is that vacation place for you uh, that your family would go to or that's your favorite right now? For me as a kid, that place was Hampton Beach, New Hampshire. And my grandfather, would rent uh, a cottage that was on the last dead end street uh, of about six cottages that literally looked across that dead end street down or north actually across the entire beach, and you would see the grasses on the beach. My brother and I would wake up in the in the sleeping porch each day of those of those weeks in the summer, and we would see the grasses on the beach. And obviously, to bring flowers into this, I, what I remember is every geraniums everywhere, every cottage every penny arcade, all the houses, everybody had hanging geraniums every day. So it was red, green, white sand um, and our cottage. And so one of the summers I was 10 and my, my brother was six at the time, my grandmother who always surprised us with gifts came up and brought us a gift of two metal detectors. Unfortunately, they were from Radio Shack in a kit. And so the first thing my grandmother said that when we arrived my mom dad my brother and i said john uh here are two things for the kids and you get to put them together from the kit and the kit at that time was you had to solder each kit probably had about 200 parts in it capacitors resistors screwing everything together you had to put the whole thing together we were only there for two weeks you could kind of tell i remember that was kind of a a a stubborn point with my mother-in-law and my dad that he was going to have to spend half his vacation putting together two metal detectors, but he did. He spent every afternoon and with two of uh, two, my brother and I running around up and down just saying, are you done yet? Are you done yet? Are you done yet? And we were so excited, but he just kept saying, I'm not quite done yet. I'm working on it each day. He was patient with us. And by the end of the first week, he finished these two metal detectors. And we were so excited because we were going to join all the other metal detector enthusiasts out on the beach each evening. So the first night my brother and I run out there with these two metal detectors and we literally came back with some aluminum cans and bottle caps and we're like, "Okay, well, that was fun. But, you know, where's the treasure. Right. So 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 it was interesting. The next day after that, my dad uh, said, well, he had a great idea. He said, hey, on this dead end street were a bunch of parking meters that were kind of buried in the sand. There was a lot of beach sand around. He said, you know what? all those people have to drop coins or something in the middle of the night to do, why didn't you go check around the parking meters? So sure enough, we went around the parking meters and it was a happen to be happy hour, so, Uh, all the relatives gathered out on our porch with the hanging geraniums and they were talking and watching my brother and I go up and down the dead end street looking for change in the metal around the parking meters with the metal detectors and sure enough we found quarters and lots of them quarters dimes and nickels we thought it was brilliant I mean I said dad that is a really I mean to this day I always think of that as being really really smart and so Years go by, and I, I, I've i just never forgotten that my brother and my mom and I have never forgotten that metal detector story. So about two months ago, with my dad's been, uh, my dad was having a, he was into getting into severe dementia, and he got an infection in his body and hospital and everything. And so we, we had to bring him home about six weeks ago for hospice. And of course, during hospice, we set everything up at my mom's house. It was at our house. Uh, I was staying there with my mom, and of course, uh, while my dad was still okay, we were bringing out pictures of him in college and everything. And of course, we brought out pictures of Hampton Beach. And with my mom, I, I brought, Mom, you know, do you, don't you remember that story? Don't you remember the the metal detectors? I mean, I I will never forget Dad spending that time with the metal detectors. And then magically, he knew he knew that we were going to find all these coins. I mean, we that that was such a good idea to look for money around those metal detectors. <laughs> My mom looks at me and she says, she looks at me. She goes, Mike, and my dad's there at hospice care, right? He, he, he's not remembering. My, 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 my mom just goes, no, Mike, Mike, what do you mean? Your dad just wanted a good happy hour. He put all those coins around the metal detectors so that you would find them. I said, are, are you kidding me? Really? <laughs> oh, and so, you know, that is, that exemplifies what I think about my dad and you know I can describe him as a dad but my my mom and I we just you know this is just him he was just a, he uh, we just use this phrase yeah my dad John was just he was just a very good guy
2: no, thank you it. so much Michael <laughs> that's beautiful but also like oh. hilarious
6: isn't that funny
2: the things that you learn later about your parents oh sorry i'm sorry i'm a crier
6: i am too i am crying on this one yes i love you
2: and Mm. i'm thank you so much for letting us share in the story the fun story of your dad and i love Mm. that he was like what are you talking
6: about what are you talking about
2: (laughs) he just wanted to go for a nice happy hour he
6: wanted a happy hour especially after
2: a week of putting together
6: (laughs) 200 Radio Shack metal detectors. Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> thank you so much. I love you, Michael. Oh,
6: thank you, thank you, Daniel. You're, you're one of those people I just texted while I was sitting with my dad at hospice. It was, it was. You're, 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 you're a wonderful person. Thank you. Thank you. I love yeah. you.
2: <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I also run a show um, called A Necessary Sadness, which is about grief. Um, and there's been so much grief lately, um, that I, I just felt, you know, that if we could have a space to, to share the good stories about the people we love, uh, that would be awesome. Uh, my dad is still with us. He's uh, turning 17 next week, and he has, since I was a little girl, told me he was going to be dead before I was 20. He <laughs> His dad died when he was in his 20s, and um, he's the last surviving brother of four. He's the eldest, um, and so I have started because I've been watching my friends um go through different chapters of their lives. I've started him writing things down (laughs) and sending them to me. And last night he called me and uh, I said, how is that history going? And he started from the beginning. So he's like three centuries back telling me the story of our family. (laughs) And I'm like, you need to write faster (laughs) because you're 70. (laughs) And I want to hear the stories of like you and your mom and your dad. And he was like, I'll get there. But first he's telling the story of his great grandfather who had 22 children (laughs) yeah yeah so i know a lot about my family and boy do we have stories and that is why i am a storyteller um yeah so i'm so grateful for those stories and i think it just reminds you to like the people you love to like as much as you can get those stories and tell them that you love them. And if you do, (laughs) Uh, yeah. So thank you so much, uh, Michael. We have uh, one more storyteller left before our featured performer this evening, Um, and he, is such a wonderful human uh my dad and i actually have plans to go visit him in newfoundland when we are allowed to travel again because that's what me and my dad do we love to kind of pop in on people we've never met before in real life (laughs) and impose (laughs) and ken and his wife uh, of five years have i think agreed so that is something (laughs) no
7: problem you're welcome anytime
2: Um, So, yes, I'm I'm surprised that during this pandemic, I've been able to make friends of strangers across the world, and I'm just so chuffed that Ken Parsons is here to tell a story. He runs the Liar's Bench in Newfoundland and is part of the the Newfoundland Storytelling Circle, and it's just a wonderful human, and I am excited (laughs) to hear your story this evening. Give it up with your hearts and your hands for Ken Parsons.
7: (laughs) Thank you, guys. I always feel different. Different, I suppose, is not the right word. I don't know. Um, uh, the lovely, true personal stories, it's heartwarming. And here I am. And basically I tell lies. So, you know, (laughs) oh, well, tonight's lie (laughs) is well, partially true. Uh, my brother-in-law is a fisherman and then, uh, sometimes hunter and he proudly showed me a couple of years ago his brand new Argo which is a multi-wheel vehicle that can go on on ponds and in the woods and marsh and everything and uh, uh, so you know I had to write a story so uh, my brother-in-law is Morley peach and he said it was okay to use his real name in the story and so I did here we go this is the king of the moose uh, now he Knows if he could uh, go hunt in the wood, there's no creature that he couldn't reach. with his trusty Argo and his big gun in tow? Oh, he's the king of the moose, Morley Peach. See, men and beasts have crossed paths, for good or for bad, since the beginning of this world's creation. But let me tell you the story about the redemption and glory of, well, King Morley Peach's coronation. See, Morley went out uh, to see if either moose was about that he could shoot and bring home for a meal but what he found was something different because it would be the moose that would get the good deal. Now, as his argo would push and make a path through the bush, uh, Morley took care as he drove. But boys, what a shock when she brought up on a rock and, and was damaged, perhaps can't be solved. So he climbed out the back, left that big gun on the rack and he proceeded to navigate round the pond. Uh, but the bush had got thicker and the, well, the path had got slicker. Uh, so he whistled uh, just to keep himself calm. And, and he kept up that tune as he went around that lagoon. Uh, but then he heard another whistler ring out. Well, sure, Morley just ha- laughed. It was probably his better half, you know, there to guide him back to the house. Uh, but then a strange thing, he heard a third whistler sing uh, with a tone that was two octaves higher. And as the three went along, well, it was a beautiful song, like a heavenly whistling choir all his friends whistled poorly compared to old morley his musical skills were that good but now there's two other three other singers that's four whistling bringers serenading all around in the woods well morley thought it was fun since all this whistling begun and all the harmonies that he could produce but as he pushed through the alders he met the rock of gibraltar He came face to nose with a moose. (laughs) Morley just froze. I would too, I suppose, with a beast of that size in your route. It was too slippery to run, and well, he didn't have either gun, uh, not since the Argo give out. Uh, So what could he do? And where's his whistling crew? And well, what were this big moose's intentions? So like a steam whistle on ships, he puckered his lips and well, he tried to whistle to get some attention. (laughs) Then <laughs> out of the woods, two more giant moose stood. Would this trio of creatures attack? Oh, into his ears and his eyes. It was a shock and surprise when those three giant moose whistled back. <laughs> well, Morrie just laughed as he stood in that path. Did he laugh? Oh, now look, yes, there in that path, Morley smiled and then he laughed and then he whistled like he did before, and those three giants with racks, well, they whistled right back, but and then they motioned uh, to follow longshore. You know, those three creatures pushed and made a path through the bush so that Morley would come to no harm, and as the four went along, well, the wind carried their song down the hills to, to the town of an Arm. And when they got to a clearing, well, Morley Peach made his bearings and he, he could make out his house down the shore. But then he realized for his new friends to survive, well, those moose couldn't follow no more. You see, it doesn't matter your size when there's a gun in your eyes. Uh, so Morley knew what must be done. You see, that was the day he threw his bullets away because a moose can't be friends with a gun. And as he turned back to the thistle, well, he could hear his friend's whistle, and it was there that they crowned him their king. And like a king with a crown, he turned right around, and, well, the four of them, man, could they sing. The townspeople say it was the devil that day that ruined moose hunting for good. Because when it's moose hunting season, well, Morley Peach, he's the reason that there's no sign of moose in the woods. But, but on rare raisin arm nights, Uh, When the wind is just right, well, you'd swear angels sing down from the skies. But that heavenly sound that comforts that town? That's just Morley in the woods with the guys. True story. Beautiful.
2: It is true. Moose have a very strange call.
7: If they can whistle, okay. They don't whistle, but they do have a strange
2: call. Have you ever heard a deer? because deer have high-pitched sounds you don't want to meet up with them when they're making them though because they're they're mating
7: (laughs) we don't have deer in newfoundland No, i
2: know you have to come up north with me and you can hear like a deer and they make like a like it's yeah oh yeah yes yes i love moose (laughs) i am very canadian (laughs) i'm like deep north. Thank you so much for reciting for us. If you want to find more of Kim Parsons, you can look up Newfoundland Storytelling Festival, uh, and they have it, and the Liar's Bench, and uh, they do a bunch of recitations up there, and there's a lot of of lying, but I think in the heart, it's true. (laughs) Thank you so much, Ken, for coming to the show. I appreciate you. Uh, thank you. This is the time of the night in which I say everybody's names. So if you have a name, a heart name that you would like me to call you, um, I, I do it because um, the woman from Romper Room never said my name. <laughs> and I want to make sure that every single person here is appreciated. I think we lost Claudia at some point and she disappeared, but I want to thank her too for coming for a bit. Um my, oh no, my friend Namitha has been waiting in the room the whole time. Oh no, I know. And Namitha and Kaden are like absolutely essential. So I'm glad that they got here just before so I can say their names. <laughs> so I'm going to begin at the beginning with people and I'm going to say everybody's names. My dog is so tired. She's being so thoughtful and so kind. She's just like, give me my peanut butter and put me to bed and I will. I promise. Um, so tonight, before we get to our fabulous musical guest, Kimberly Sundstrom, I would like to thank Aide Ajayi all the way from Texas for her stories every month. I would like to thank Be Wilder for coming and sharing a story of her mother. I would like to thank Bob Barnett for being here almost every single month, unless there's like a meeting of, of the friendship people. <laughs> Uh, Chuck, thank you so much for being so supportive. I appreciate you. Once I delivered Chuck some soap and they were so uh, nice about it. (laughs) I would also like to thank Eli Lara from Seattle. If you're looking for beautiful sketches, He's such an incredible artist, and you can find him at Eli, not Lara, on Instagram. Georgia, ah, oh, so nice that you were here, <laughs> and that I got to see your face while your your sister told a story about you. So good, uh, Hannah, wherever you are, I am so grateful that you were here. Julia Phillips, I think you belong to B, and I'm so grateful that you are here. Caden, can you hear me? <laughs> Thank you for being here and making it for Kimberly Sundstrom, and I feel like you must have been in the waiting room for a long time, and I feel terrible about that. Uh, Kat, Cat is listening in from Seattle, uh, and she's a brilliant sharer and a connector of people, so if you have a show that you would like her to watch, sometimes she'll come and she'll tell other people about it. She's just wonderful. Ken Parsons from Newfoundland. Uh, thank you for your recitation, Kimberly. I'm so glad and I'm so excited that you're here again. Kimberly wrote a song last year for the um, the show, and it's so wonderful. And it's like a puppet show theme song. It's just magical. And she's going to be playing later after all of these thanks. Libby, I'm so glad we're friends now. <laughs> thank you for your poetry, and I'm looking forward to getting your books in the mail. Michael Lockhart, thank you for being such a sweetheart and for being a friend of mine, and for messaging me when you needed to talk. I appreciate you and thank you for your story about your dad. He sounds amazing. Uh, Nadine, oh, I love you so much. <laughs> even though some of your stories driving in London is even scarier than the conscious in a pot. Uh, you have to listen to the stories that Nadine tells. She's hilarious and she's wonderful. Namitha, thank you for coming. Namitha was our uh, featured guest last um, month, so you can check it out on the podcast. Nate, thank you, Nate, for coming. Renee Marshall um, of Audium Listening, Meg is just an incredible person, and you should go find her animations and her wonderfulness. She's kind, thoughtful, and fierce, and just a beautiful, wonderful package. Uh, and I appreciate her so much for being here. Go find her stories. Rylan, that's my partner. We just got married last year, and we'll be celebrating our. <laughs> anniversary five years of knowing each other next month and um they're just lovely and they're downstairs in the basement because it's weird to have someone sit behind you while you host a show (laughs) sherry levine uh she is here for the first time say hello to her she runs a show about dating and she's gonna be looking for storytelling people so if you have ever dated anyone and you have a good story, you may wanna find her. I'll share some more information about her shows later. Uh, Elizabeth Grigg, always the first person to buy a ticket and I appreciate her. She's just got, I think it's like a gray carpet as her screen right now and it's so soothing. If I'm feeling stressed, I just look at the gray carpet and I'm like, (laughs) so calming. Uh, So those are all of the people that were here today and I would like to invite you to welcome the wonderful musician Kimberly Sundstrom, whose partner Hannah is out in there somewhere listening. And I just love (laughs) that y'all come to the show together and it makes me so happy. Uh, Kimberly's been doing live shows virtually online and you can find her at Kimberly Sundstrom uh, on the internet and uh, support them by like putting money into the tip jar because that is how we get our artists through this pandemic. Uh, And I am also paying Kimberly handsomely. So if you've donated money to the show tonight, it is going straight to Kimberly to get some new headphones because those are such an important part of a musician's existence. So if we could welcome with our hearts and our hands for the next wonderful 20 minutes,
1: Kimberly Sundstrom thank you so much. Um, I'm, I'm super excited to be here, uh, for the second time participating, but not the second time at all. I, I, I love these, um, events and I think, uh, they're so special and the stories like just take you on such a roller coaster. and I'm going to be straight up honest with you all and tell you that I'm pretty nervous. Um, cause, uh, yeah, these were just wonderful stories, as per usual. And it's it's I I I like shudder to to think at that you know the what featured featured guest title is bequeathed upon me. Um, so I am a musician, but I'm going to start it off with a story, like just with my mouth, not with an instrument. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm also going to probably end with a, a story that involves some some semblance of an instrument. Um, okay, so I will, (laughs) I will kick things off. Um, so this is a story, uh, from many, many, many years ago. Um, in my family, I have one sibling, one older sibling, um, which in retrospect and listening back, it's, it's kind of, I I think it was you, Danielle, that was, that we're talking about, um. Somebody having twenty-two kids, or I probably made that number up. That seems a lot, or anyways, a chunk of of kids. So it was pretty rare for um, my parents' generation to 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 pop out only two. But here we are. It was me and my sister. She's three years older than me. She's a thousand and ten percent cooler than I could ever hope to be, Um, and. I've looked up to her my entire life. Like most, well, like a lot of of little siblings. Uh, she was like just the coolest and uh, um, I very proudly referred to her and still do refer to her as, um, as my best friend. Um, although, you know, I don't know if it's reciprocated. She uh, has a friend named Tenji who she often refers to as uh, my best friend Tenji. Um, but I'm not too worried because like I know that uh, at some point Tenchi's gonna mess up, and I'm gonna be there. I put in the time. And I'm gonna be there to pick up the pieces. Um, and yeah, I'm just I'm just playing that like best friend long game, sister into best friend long game. Uh, and I know I know I'm gonna come out on top. You know she's got nowhere to go. I'm the only one that she can turn to in terms of of siblings. So that big ramble has actually very little to do with this story. Um, and I'm going to really, really try and tie in this story to, uh, flowers, um, because I realized as I was thinking about this story, um, and I probably shouldn't admit this, that I was like, I, I, I don't know if this, re- this necessarily relates to flowers, but, uh, let's call it a blossoming story. Um, anyway, so my sister, when she was in university, we grew up in, in Botswana predominantly, um, and which is where my mom was from. Uh, so we, we spent a lot of time there, but, uh, you know, at 18, she got this big fancy scholarship to an American university. Um, And so she, uh, she headed on over to uh, the US of A. um, And uh, while she was there, she met this dude named Courtney. And he was like the quintessential cool American dude. You know, like he was like this tall, black, cool, footballer dude who was in this like really like awesome, black fraternity that had like powerful history in the black community. Um, it's the same one that Michael Jordan went to. So like, just like layers of coolness upon layers of coolness that also by, you know, meeting my sister added to her layers of coolness. So it was just a really exciting moment for me for my, like to see my sister, like meeting this really cool dude. And I thought she was really cool. And I just was like, I'm sure this is all going to rub off at some point on me let's just hope um and so yeah they met in university and you know they fell in love and decided to get married and because we were from Botswana it um it made sense that my sister decided to um have the wedding in Botswana and he was really excited about it um because you know he wanted to see uh where she grew up and learn more about her heritage or our heritage um so it, it just made it's made sense um and the wedding itself was actually Oh, I got it. There were lots of flowers. There were tons of flowers at the wedding. Boom. Did it. Nailed it. You're welcome. Um, Anyways, uh, the wedding was pretty, pretty fancy. I'm not going to lie. My sister is quite bougie, um, despite the fact that we kind of come, we do come from humble beginnings. Um, But uh, yeah, she, there was like, there were like two dresses, like two outfits. She had like the wedding dress and then another outfit. There was like, we had to learn this like choreographed dance that to enter, like, you know, it was like a big thing. I was wearing satin, what is it? Satin, um, satin heels, like satin well, covered heels or something like that. And like, that is a disaster cause I, I'm a tomboy from the get-go, um, and it was all it was all fun and games until I like decided to shove the satin heels into the ground so that I could be flat-footed. So you know, I I ruined the heels, but I just also feel like it's rude that you know, you should never put a tomboy in, in heels. Like it's inevitable that something's gonna go wrong. So I don't feel that bad about that. <laughs> um, but it was a really really lovely, huge, and and like so many elements of traditional Botswana culture and aspects to the wedding happened, which made me really happy made my mom super happy. And it was just a great time. Um, But the best part of the wedding um, was uh, that we decided after the wedding, um, they that we would all as a family go on their honeymoon, (laughs) which was um, like a four or five day, um, uh, Game reserve safari adventure, Um, and I don't know if anybody has been to like anywhere in sub-Saharan Africa, but uh, game reserves um, and kind of those you know um, safari style adventures are pretty common, Um, and uh, it's they're they're really lovely because it's kind of like. a sanctuary where you can learn a lot about a wildlife and, and agriculture and plants. And, uh, but you know, it's, it's intertwined with the, you know, the, the money-making aspects of tourism. So it's like kind of like safe tourism because you don't have like people just like stomping around just being like, what do we got here? Um, and there's a lot of like opportunity to learn and grow and, and see things in their natural environment. So it's, it's a really, it's a really wonderful experience. And we had my Canadian, um, aunts and uncles, uh, there too. I don't remember if we ever asked them if we could, um, hijack their honeymoon, but it happened anyways. Um, so there we are. (laughs) Um, and we had my Canadian, uh, my dad's side was, was there as well. So it was, we were, I know I was, we were all very excited to kind of like, you know, show up for these Canucks and be like, this is, you know, this is wildlife. Like, let's go, let's, let's do this. Um, so And these, uh, these like safari, um, I don't know what to call them. Like they're like cottages, sort of like chalets. Um, and you can rent them and they're like sort of on the property of these like thousands and thousands of kilometers reserve it the kilometer reserves. Um, and you can stay there overnight. Um, and it's just an opportunity to be, be able to kind of like, you know, see sunset um um safari drives, or wake up in the morning and you know do a safari adventure and like kind of see the the wake up of the of the wildlife and the go to bed of the wildlife, which is usually the most active time of um of wild animals' moments in time. I'm not doing a great job of of saying this, but I think that I've <laughs> made it clear um so the first day when we got there, we all decided to do a game drive so um and right off the bat, you know so it was in south africa we're from botswana but the place was in south africa right off the bat like south africa came out like we saw some animals right off the bat and like we were like you know able to kind of sh- like dust off our skills of what we knew because we were from botswana and we 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 like knew the animals and we were pointing out zebras and impalas and kudu's and wild boar and and monkeys and and um you know we were just really excited to like to to like talk about this and, and see the excitement in somebody who hasn't ever seen this, which was my aunts and uncles. Um, and uh, so, and it, it's pretty common to see zebras and impalas on these these drives, but it's still extraordinarily exciting. Um, so as we're coming down to the end of, of this first day drive, we um, turn a corner and suddenly we see this herd of giraffes, which is actually called a tower. A t- yeah, a tower of giraffes. You know, like there's like a murder of crows. It's, I think it's a t- I'm pretty sure it's a tower of, of giraffes. Um, we saw this huge group of giraffes crossing in front of us um, on the dirt road and we like uh, we stopped the cars and we're just like mesmerized by these majestic huge creatures moving in slow motion and like the male giraffe like stood so like stoically looking at us being like don't you dare move while my ladies pass and it was really beautiful and I, and uh, I'll never forget it and my 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 uncle, you're supposed to stay in the car for the love of mercy, all you're supposed to do is just stay in the car. And of course, my uncle, my Canadian uncle, he's like, you know, what? I'm just gonna get out and get a good picture. And so he gets out and takes a picture and uh, everybody's yelling at him and nothing happened, fortunately. But you know, when we got back to the, to, to the chalet, we were like, you can't do that. You know, like, you're staring, looking at some drafts, and then the lion comes and just like, you know, there you go, you're gone, you're, you're kaput. And so he felt bad about that, which is good because you're not, all you got to do is stay in the car. Um, so yeah, we felt pretty, pretty satisfied um, about, you know, having a great first day and like, and honestly, like in the many years that I've lived in Africa, I have not seen that many giraffes. I have not seen that much um, wildlife in one in one drive it was really quite um, amazing so you know we were pretty we we're pretty stoked about it um, So, you know, in this excitement, we're all having dinner and talking about it and talking over each other. Nobody's really listening. And, uh, we decide, you know, let's, let's go out for like the morning. Let's do like an early morning drive. Like, let's do it. Let's see what else is out there and see how their morning looks. Um, and so my one aunt and uncle, there was, um, my, you know, my aunt and uncle, and then another aunt and uncle, my grandmother those are the those are the relatives that were there. And, and then of course, Courtney, and my mom and my dad and my sister. So my one aunt and uncle and my grandmother, um, you know, they were feeling pretty satisfied with the very full day that we just saw and they decided to like opt out and and sleep in and choose sleep. My mom who also has a very had a very lukewarm um, relationship uh, with the morning. So she also decided to opt out. She's also lived in in Africa majority of her life. And she's like, yo, I'm good. That's cute. You go do your thing. Um, but me, my sister, my brother-in-law, my dad and my other aunt and uncle, his, his little sister, we were like, we're doing this. We're going to see some more stuff. It's going to be amazing. Um, oh man. I feel like I'm, I'm, am I talking too fast? If I'm talking too fast, let me know. <laughs> Cause clearly I'm excited to to tell this story and it's been so, so long since I've talked to other people. <laughs> Anyway, so we wake up in the very, very early morning um, and uh, yeah, like I said, it's my sister, my new brother-in-law, my dad and his sister and her husband. Um, so we all managed to get into the trucks. We got, we had two trucks, just to be clear, we were driving two trucks. So I was driving one truck with my sister and my brother-in-law in the back. And my dad was driving the second truck with my aunt and uncle. And, uh, we got in the, into the, like, we were able to get into the trucks at 5 55 AM, which is for me, very impressive, but everybody else was fine with it. Um, and we were really excited to like get out and everybody was like, we realized we were realistic. Like, you know, sometimes you go on these drives and you don't see an- anything or very much of anything. Um, so we were realistic, you know, just keeping our, our hopes, trying to with like, sustain our hopes, even though we we were all very excited. And again, right off the bat, we saw like a bunch of zebras and giraffes and kudu and springbok. We saw um, a rhino, which is pretty darn rare. And um, um, we saw some Oh, what are they called? I can't remember the word uh hippopotamus hippopotamus that's what i was thinking we saw some hippos so you know we were already feeling pretty pretty like pumped and then we turn a corner and all of a sudden and i'm i swear to you this is no no lies i don't tell lies when it comes to storytelling because i'm not very good at it so obviously you'll be able to tell if i can lie if i'm lying um we turn the corner and we see three young lions walking towards us on the dirt road. I'm not I'm not lying at all. And this, I have never ever seen lions this close. Like, I mean, they were walking towards us. Like, it was like the grocery store when you've got the carts and like somebody's going down the wrong, you know, now we've got all the arrows. It was like that. You're just like, I can't believe I'm seeing what I'm seeing. So we, you know, we all had our our windows rolled up, but we're like looking and like, and then we were like, let's, we're gonna roll down the windows. I wanna see this with my bare naked eye. And we're like staring at these unbelievable young lions, just chilling, just walking literally right past our cars. And um, I remember my aunt, this is like a side note, but I remember my aunt like rolling down her window and like, as one passed by leaning out and taking pictures of the one coming forward. And then I saw this, like, like I saw her like, pop her hidden head, head in right away. And she's like, I realize how stupid that was. Like, I'm looking at one over there and there's two behind me and I have no idea what they're doing. So again, stay in the cars is the is the moral of the story at, at any point. Um and uh, you know, as we finally like kind of watch the last glimpse of these beautiful, beautiful lions walking behind us, like we are in like we are ecstatic. We are pumped. We're like, we can't wait to go and like, you know, obnoxiously rub it in everybody's faces that they slept in and they missed out on seeing these lions and we have pictures to prove how much we saw these lines how close they were it was very exciting um and uh yeah so we're just like super super hyped just talking talking this up so much um and as we start to kind of calm down and we're simmering we're still driving along we suddenly see like um a tour truck like you can rent it like you know book a, a a drive with a with a tour instructor And, um, we see this tour truck kind of like pulled over to the side. And like, when you see that, my sister and I know this for a fact, when you see a tour truck pulled over, not just like slowing down, but pulled over, you know, it's going to be something good. So we are all like, okay, so we're about to see something else. Like it's, I wonder if it's going to be another lion. Maybe it's like the mama lion. Like, who knows? It could be anything. We're very, very excited. So I see my dad pull up behind the tourist truck and just like slowly put his arm out the window to point in the right direction. So I pull up, I follow suit, I pull up behind them. And what do we see? We see down the road, like there was a path like this. We see down the road, the biggest elephant I've ever seen in my entire life. And I have seen elephants before, but I have never seen an elephant this massive, this huge, this beautiful in my entire life. And I was just like, my breath was taken away. It was absolutely, absolutely stunning. So we're watching this beautiful, wise, incredible, Elephant walking towards us, and I can tell, uh, I I know a little bit just because I you know growing up you kind of you start to l- learn a bit about wildlife. She was older. She had like one long tusk and one kind of shorter tusk that looked like it had broken off. And I you know I started to think about like that it had broken off in like a fight maybe in her younger years. And she had these huge huge ears that were like just casually flipping or flapping the, the flies away and like, you know, keeping her, her probably like flapping the heat away as well. And she's just like munching on this like little leaf. And I, I imagined it to be a huge, like a huge branch that she had, had like chomped down. And it was just like a little leaf, like hanging out of the side. And she was just casually, just like not even phased by anything. And it was just beautiful. And we were just all like, shocked that this beautiful thing was coming in our direction um and uh oh man i've I've lost my train of thought now um yeah so like we were just shocked and couldn't believe it um and while we're watching this beautiful creature come towards us like i start to think like i think she's looking at me i feel like i feel like she might be looking at me and i feel like Maybe there's like some sort of connection happening with me and this wild creature. I mean, I am a big animal lover. Maybe she can sense that. And like, am I being blessed right now? And like, I I see it out of the corner of my eye, the truck, the tourist truck kind of like driving away. And I'm like, wow, you fools. Like I'm having a moment and you're driving away. Like you're lost. Like, look at this, like this, this connection is just like palpable. And I just feel like we're becoming one. And I'm wondering if she's going to be able to read my thoughts and maybe I'm going to be able to read her thoughts going to share some of her wisdom and like as i'm thinking about this like i'm suddenly distracted by my dad's rear view like rear lights going on in his truck so i see him like like basically about to start reversing and so i'm like oh okay um i guess we could reverse i'm not sure why and then it like dawns on me and it hits me like a ton of bricks we are not making a connection. We're in her way and she's annoyed. And that's what's happening. That's why the truck has moved away. So, and we need to move out of her way because she's going to start getting annoyed. So I, I put the my truck in reverse and my sister and my brother in law are like, oh, okay, this is a little bit, you know, didn't expect this to happen, but that's cool. And um, I look up to see that her ears are fully out. And anybody who knows anything about elephants, when their ears are out, like, you know, kite, kite style out. It's not a good sign. And she stomps her her hoof on the ground and like, like, brings up all this dust like just a billow of dust all over the place. And I felt like I was in a movie. And I was like, this is not a good movie to be in because I'm clearly the one in the wrong and it's gonna be bad times. And so we start my my dad starts reversing quite fast and I start following suit and I'm behind him so I'm like going faster because I don't want him to like reverse into me and I can see her start to pick up her pace and she's just like you idiots. I was having my morning walk with my coffee and you've decided to interrupt me. And so my dad is like going pretty fast. And I'm like, Okay, I got it. And I can hear my my brother in law, this big, burly, strong man, my brother being like, are we gonna be okay? Is everything gonna be okay? And then all of a sudden, I see my dad like pull into this uh, spot to to his left. And I didn't even see him do it. It was like, it was, I was very impressed. I was like, Dad, you know how to drive, and he pulls into the spot. And so I'm like, Okay, he's really trying to get out of her way. I'm going to pull into the ditch. I We're in a truck. It's four by four. I'm going to pull into this ditch, get fully out of her way, and she's going to walk past us and it's going to be fine. I pull into the ditch. I'm backing up a little bit more just to really get out of her way. And she's locked on us. She's like, uh uh-uh, uh, that's not far enough. You think you can just move a little bit? You've disrupted me. You need to get out of my way. And so she's starting to like pick up pace and she's starting to like really come towards us, at which point, my brother in the back his decibel levels have increased to a point that i didn't know were possible and he's like starting to get that like high-pitched scream like are we gonna be okay and uh i can't focus on that and my sister's telling me to go faster she's like her voice is getting raised she's like we gotta go we gotta go and suddenly she starts charging and elephants are faster than they look and at that point My brother-in-law, his voice has now hit like a, a level that is like gonna shatter glass if there was glass nearby. It's just, it's, and he's just screaming, we're gonna die, we're gonna die. And my sister's like, drive faster. And it's reverse. You can't go that fast in reverse. You can only go so fast. So I pull out of the ditch and I'm speeding as hard as I can down this dirt road while this angry, beautiful, I thought we had a connection, elephant, charges towards us and she's like her 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 like trunk is up her ears are out she is not impressed and suddenly like out of nowhere i swear i did not see this before when we were driving up suddenly i see this road to the left it was like somebody in the matrix created this road for us because they knew that we were out of luck and they created this road and so in Like, I don't have reflexes like this, but in an instant I had these magical reflexes that allowed me to see this road to the left, back into it as far as I possibly could so that we were suddenly out of, out of her sight. Like there was bush covering us. And I was like sitting in reverse. My brother-in-law is now crying full on crying. I'm very annoyed with him. My sister is just like hyperventilating beside me. I'm waiting for this elephant to turn and look at us and be like, it's go time. And like, I don't even know what my dad's doing. I'm ready to keep going, and we suddenly see her walking past us, calm as a morning. I don't know. I wish I could think of something fast to describe something calm, like calm as you know when it's like morning and you go out and you're looking at the water and there's not a, a like a, not a ripple in sight. So calm, ears down, chewing on that damn stick. Still, she just slowly walks past. Doesn't even bat an eye. Doesn't even have the courtesy to look back and be like, "Thank you for moving." She just walked completely by us so like my heart is racing right now just thinking back um to this and i like to think that she looked back and she was like and she like kind of looked back at us and be like you guys are dumb but i know that that connection was not real as much as i wish it was um so finally when we caught her breath and i like felt like it was a safe time she had finally gone off into the into the into the bush and I drove to my dad to to check on them. And like, you know, we were just like, all so adrenaline pumped, um, pulled up to my dad. And, um, and then we it's like a barrage of everybody trying to tell their perspective on what they were seeing. It was just like, everybody yelling. And, uh, and like but my dad, like, I must let you know that my dad is like the calmest person that you'll ever meet in your entire life. He, like, is passionate about being kind, being good, being responsible. He's just a very even keeled person. Anyway, so we finally all like yell at each other enough and we calm down. And then and my aunt kept telling us how the whole time my dad was just like stoically staring with his hands on the steering wheel, staring, watching this elephant charging his daughters. and the, the, the new husband as well, but the daughters, right. And, um, and my aunt turns to him and she's like, like, what were you thinking when you were like, just staring and watching this elephant, like potentially charging your, your daughters? And like, he just calmly was like, well, I was gonna drive into the elephant if, uh, if she tried to, to, to charge them or, or, or ram into the car. And we were all like, Okay, Dad, that's that's cool, and it was kind of sweet because you're like, you know, like my dad is like p- fiercely passionate about like protecting his family. So we're like, oh, that's kind of sweet. Yeah, you know what? That's actually kind of sweet. I get that. I mean, like, you would have gone to jail, but the, you know, I, I get the sentiment. We get the sentiment. So glad that it didn't happen. And then suddenly, my aunt's like, wait, you were gonna drive into it? I was in the car with you. And so, moral of the story. Long story short, if you ever see a majestic elephant. You are not having a connection. I guarantee it. They have other plans and don't disrupt that.
2: (laughs) Oh, my gosh, that was such a. Like that whole. I was there the whole time. I've been in the wild because I'm from up north and like our we have moose. Right. And Mm. if you ever eye to eye with. No,
1: (laughs) you're just like there. They want you out of their way. (laughs) Yeah, I have a I have a very strong, strong understanding of like getting out of, of the, the way. way that's a, but yeah it's yeah. like a
2: beautiful storytelling PSA just mm. yeah <laughs> oh but just um, yeah yeah so th- you're gonna do a song now is that what's happening I, I was just it, like I, I'm I, so in the the wilds of like what's what right now and I'm like <laughs> where they
1: bring us out <laughs> I was gonna say I feel like um I don't want to take up too much time I uh I really got into that story Way it more was than 20 I minutes it was like beautifully oh, done no
2: well, um, don't yeah. no no no. that's what the 20 minutes is for this is a storytelling show when you were featured guest, you just get to get into those little tiny like bits of the story that you wouldn't be able to tell in three minutes or six minutes so i just like and get to know your personality too right yeah
1: i'm but like right you. there my heart is yeah been,
2: no uh-huh yeah. i was also right there and those
1: lines like yeah, just... no, I think I think um I think I'm gonna let everybody go and have their dinners if they need to have their dinners. Uh Danielle, I wanna say a wholehearted thank you so much for inviting uh, me to be part of this. Um so I wonderful. absolutely loved every single story. I, I loved sh- I love being able to share this. It's not my thing. Like storytelling like this is not my thing. So thank you for being so receptive to that.
2: Oh, I love it. Um, I- I love that that you get to like go outside your comfort zone because storytelling is so much part of music if you're performing, right? Like the in-between times. So I just want to... Oh, I was just
1: going to say, if you do want to listen to music, um, I would recommend listening to Confessions. It's the song I wrote from the perspective of my dad um, going to Botswana for the first time and meeting my wonderful mom who unfortunately also has passed away mm-hmm. um meeting my wonderful fiercely african mom obviously falling in love with her and uh, choosing to start a family so that yeah. was the song i was going to sing so if you want to listen to no, it but on spotify i was
2: just going to talk to the audience because i'm pretty sure this audience would love to hear a song am i right my audience they people who like need to go they can go but we all really want to hear this song Completely okay. sure it's- i'd love to yes yay okay wonderful <laughs> thank you so much i'm like that was such an incredible story and i'm just so in it but also i think a music like just ending with your music is going to be perfect so thank you to everyone who came tonight and thank you so much to kimberly for sharing that story and yeah i'm going to dream about elephants i'm pretty sure tonight <laughs> so thank you for coming
1: it is a sh- it is a short song so um yeah it won't take up too much time no you're great. Right. <laughs> Everybody can hear the guitar okay? Okay. I must confess you like a young man should. I knew the day we met that my heart would be good enough to win your love he never stood a chance because my mom had a boyfriend when they first met so (laughs) enough to win your love he never stood a chance so i wrapped up all my love waited for you to come back because she was going to um switzerland with her boyfriend when they met they met at a party and then the next day she was going to switzerland so he waited for her to come back before he was like yo i think we got a connection unlike the one that I had with the elephant. Chorus goes, when you come back to me, back to me, oh. If you feel like singing along, go for it. You come back to me, back to me, oh. And I must confess you. Oh, that's not how it goes, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I must confess to you about a little child. She came along one day made us so proud. That's my sister, by the way. We never planned on it, but our love was true. So I made a pact that day to make our one love, too. When you come back to me, back to me, oh. When you come back to me, back to me, oh. This is my verse. And another confession coming out of me. Just like the last one, another girl makes three. So that's me, my sister, and my mom. We both agreed to make our family grow. Like that our house went from three to four. When you come back to me, back to me, oh. When you come back to me, back to me. Oh. So I'll hold you close, kiss your cheeks at night. Keep you warm, squeeze you oh so tight. Lock the cold outside the door. Hold you up and be the man you like. The man you like. Here we go with the last chorus if you feel like singing along. When you come back to me, back to me, oh when you come back to me, back to me, oh when you come back to me, back to me, oh come back to me, back to me, oh this song definitely takes different um meaning now that my mom has passed thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here, Kimberly.
2: Thank you for the story and the music. I feel like that is the perfect song to end the show. And I hope to see some of the soon faces next week. And this has just been a beautiful night of celebrating people we love. And I think more than flowers is about family. So Thank you so much. I'm going to wave you into the night. I'm going to say goodnight to the podcast listeners who will be listening after the fact. And uh, we'll see you at the next Iridescent Robot Storytelling Club. Good night, everyone. Thanks for checking out the April 2021 edition of the Iridescent Robot Storytelling Club. Uh We have a really funny show coming up in May. We have featured guest stand-up comedian Steph Talev and stand-up comedians Shannon Coyano and Dewa Dorje and stand-up comedian Andy Iwansio as well as our resident storyteller Aide Ajayi. The theme is rain, but who knows what'll happen. You know, it just the theme finds itself so hopefully we'll see you next month and if you have a story to tell get in touch with us at curiousandkindalmont a-l-m-o-n-t-e at gmail.com and uh if you'd like to come see the show send us a message and we'll make sure you get to attend
1: have a beautiful night day whatever time it is for you